Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the roundtable discussion podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we return for a more in-depth discussion of Hamlet with our usual cast and Ryan Albrecht. If you like what we're doing here, please support us at our network Patreon, patreon.com slash ghostlightmedia. And with that, on with the show. I'm already working out of I'm already working out of Columbus. I have been for the last month. The last several Fridays, um, not yesterday, but the two Fridays before, I put nearly 500 miles on my backside between driving out. Like last last Friday, I was looking across the Ohio River at West Virginia as part of my workday. It's the wrong. You're in the wrong part of Ohio. Whenever you can see West Virginia, you should probably leave. I remember. I. I remember a very good road trip that uh, Chase and I and Griffin uh, took to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a road trip. We went and saw uh, Mabim Bam Candle Nights 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. That was a drive out there. That- and then on the way back, I hit a deer. Oh. Don't recommend that part of the trip. No. Huntington, West Virginia. Not a bad little city. No, like, not bad. Huntington was cute- nice. We got to walk around for a little bit. I don't remember the name of that that bar game arcade, but it was great. The Peddler. The Peddler. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. See, the drive. Yeah. The drive to Huntington. Like we had fun, but the drive sucked. The drive back sucked. Uh, but Huntington was nice. Where were you when you hit a deer? Uh, the ass end of Southeast Ohio, just north of Ironton. Okay. Yeah. We were in the middle of fucking nowhere too. Yep. Mm-hmm. I have been there. It is definitely. Did you the hear the banjos? I think I'm pretty sure Griffin brought them with him and was playing them. Mm-hmm. Did you have your banjo lately? I did not. I don't think I had it at that point. What? what? It's exactly what it sounds like. I I assume it is. I just don't know. Did somebody give it to you? Was it a present? No, no he I, bought it for himself. I bought it. Sounded like fun. Sounded like fun. That's a choice. Yeah. yeah. Choice. I respect that. It's a strong choice. I don't. I don't respect it, but it is a strong choice. Yeah. I don't know. They make a lot a stronger of stronger one. Um, there is the U bass, which is uh, a, a a bass ukulele, and it's rad as hell. And that's next on the list. But those are a couple hundred dollars for a cheap one. So I have not made that particular plunge yet. There are also like bass recorders and things like that. Yeah, you don't need it. Eh, debatable. Mm, no, I had an aunt who had a bass recorder. You don't need it. <laughs> Uh, you can make an elephant farting noise with the back of your hand just fine. <laughs> you don't need that shit. Actually, no. Yeah, so- actually, no. As I proved at game last Sunday, uh, you cannot just trust your hands to make the fart noise. Because sometimes it'll just <laughs> fail miserably. And you'll look like an idiot and an asshole. Then, then you look down. You know who yeah. else failed miserably and looked like an idiot and an asshole? Would it be Hamlet? Uh, several characters in this play, really. I was going to say, <laughs> is that the transition? pick your poison. That's our transition. That's our transition. This is this a segue is... worthy of Beth. You can check that square off your bingo cards. It's a, a tragedy of errors. So where do we start this? Well, I don't great, know. Okay. Great question. What pins do we Well, have? first of all, we start by introducing ourselves. Well, yeah, um, this is the Shakespeare podcast. It's episode 73. Holy shit, 73. We've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Almost three years. Uh, I'm Ryan Halfhill. I'm Beth Roar. I'm Cassie Greenley. I'm Chase Greenley. And, and back with us That's, that's is... you, Ryan. 
that's me. I am I am Ryan Albrecht from Another Path, and I missed it. And I don't know how many that's other right. things. Um, but yeah, <laughs> welcome back, special guest Ryan Albrecht, um, who is on here. Ghostlight Media's yeah. Another Path. So um, Ryan, other Ryan, you asked how yes. this works, and how this does is this basically work? the episode. <laughs> this is the episode where we talk about all of the things that started to derail us in the last episode. So this, is, in, this is when yeah. Half Hill starts ranting? Yes. Great. Um, so I've written down... Is, I have been sitting here waiting, uh, uh, well, to yeah. continue the bit. It's been two weeks, and I expected right, yeah. it two weeks ago. So I've been exactly. in, uh, with bated um, breath. Well, but I've the been... Thing you, the thing you're really missing is that Ryan likes this play. So you're missing him just screaming that it's stupid. Look, I was very drunk when we recorded the Romeo and Juliet episode. <laughs> How else could you have gotten through it? Exactly. And I was uh, not nearly as drunk when we did Twelfth Night, so I was much less belligerent. Yeah. I remember the day that, that I pitched to you, Ryan Halfhill, that I was uh, that I wanted to direct Romeo and Juliet for your theater company, and you were so mad. It was great. But you it's did... True. You did do um, you did do a fantastic job. Uh, Thank uh, you. It's one of the better productions of Romeo and Juliet that I have seen. And for reference, um, I do believe that was uh, seven years ago, tenish years ago. Right. It was all yeah, it was a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but basically, we have um, we've got three things that we always talk about, and then as we discuss the play, as points come up, I write them down on post-it notes. So that we remember to talk about them later. The three uh, things so, we, we get oh, so this we is get drunk and we forget. This is the wall of post-it notes at your house. This is the wall of post-it yes. notes. Yeah, thank you. Um, I understand now. Yes. So the three things we always talk about, we always touch on language. If there's anything particular about how language is used in the play, we always talk about adaptations of the play, which I want to save towards the end because I know that we're gonna. Well, get this into one that there's a, a lot. lot. We're going to a lot of adaptations. Yeah. Um, and we always talk about the agency of women, and I think that's where we should start. Okay. I um, I think that's a good idea. I think it is, too. Okay. Because it, it's also going to drive a street into Gertrude. Um, because realistically, the way it's written, text on paper, there's two women. Yep. yep. And neither have agents. No. Two, two out of 13. Two out of... Two, two out of 13 are women. Um, which, of course, then to the gays makes it look like there's plenty of women in this play. There's not. Uh, but neither one of them have any control on what's going on around them. No. No. Frequently. Well, and Even it, to and the it, point where it kills them both. It honestly depends on how you play Gertrude. It, it does. does. But as written. So Gertrude. As, written, as written. On paper. No agency. No agency. So we can all. I think agree that Ophelia is a tragic character with no control. Ophelia deserve deserve better. better. That's the uh, that's the pin I wrote down for relating to agency of women. Ophelia deserved better. She deserves better on behalf of all of the characters in this play, and she also just deserves better as a character in this play. Oh, I agree one hundred percent. So there are. We've talked about the f the fun that it would have been to watch the Mad Prince and the Pirates, but it also there's a whole other play that happens that could happen. The story of Ophelia before the king's death. So 
we don't know what the relationship between Ophelia and Hamlet was actually like. Because we don't get to see it. Right. We don't know what Gertrude and Hamlet's father, Hamlet the First, we don't know what their marriage was like. We can assume it was good, but that's only because Hamlet himself is holding it up as, as this amazing thing. So everything that would tell us anything about the women is happening off camera. Yeah. It's unimportant. So although we love to quote both Ophelia and Gertrude, they're pointless to the plot. Yeah. Ophelia is a plot device. And yep, she like she's literally used by Claudius and Polonius to move the plot with Hamlet forward. And then at the end, her madness and her drowning is used specifically to incite the fight between Laertes Laertes and Hamlet that ends the play. And that's her only role in the show. And I think part of, of that is why the sassy gay friend video of Ophelia is my favorite (laughs) one. Look at your life. Look at your life. Look at your choices. Um, And yeah. And so where she's about to like drown herself and the sassy gay friend shows up and goes, what are you doing? Why? And I, I want to, like, I want someone to save Ophelia from this story because she has such a tr- tragic ending. She's got a boyfriend at the beginning. Everything is going great. And then everything falls to pieces. Her dad's stabbed through a curtain. She doesn't even have and, a, it's not even that she has a boyfriend. She's dating the prince. Yeah. Yeah. It's her not just any boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. Her fairy tale. Yeah. Because she's, because her dad away. worked his way up to his position. They're not, you know, royalty or high class born that way. They're new money. Mm-hmm. So this is all very fairy tale for her. And then, uh, unfortunately for her, uh, Claudius dies about six months too early. Yeah. Yeah. Because if Claudius dies six months later, theoretically, depending on how succession works here, then uh, maybe Hamlet's king and Ophelia's the queen now. And the wedding that they have is very different. Yeah. And and so her story is, is a tragedy from start to finish. And it's not a tragedy of her own making. Like, I feel like other characters in this play... Their tragedy is one of their own making, but for her, it's not. It she doesn't have any agency to create yeah, a tragedy. Everything goes to shit around her, and this I'm gonna jump pins really fast to touch briefly on adaptations. I mentioned it earlier in the first episode, um, but there's a book, a young adult novel called Ophelia by Lisa Klein, and it takes her, makes her the central character. It writes that love story from before the play starts. So you get to know the two characters at the outset. It has her as a major player through the whole events of the play. She knows what's going on with Hamlet. She knows what he has to do and what he's attempting to do. And so everything that you see from her in the play is her contributing to that and helping Hamlet on his journey. And then when Claudius becomes suspicious... She and Hamlet also get married in secret in this version. Like, halfway through Act 1, they get secretly married, and she's pregnant. And so 
they haven't told that this is this is all just in the novel. Um, but she fakes her death in this one to help push. Ah, there Claudius. was a friar, huh? Uh-huh. Ah, yes, yes, exactly. In the help. novelization, there's a friar. There's a friar. She actually does go to a convent to hide from Claudius the, while she has child. her yeah. and have the child, and then. Hamlet still dies. So there's an um, abbess, not a friar. It's an abbess and not a friar. Yeah. Um, but she still she still has the child in secret at the convent. Horatio comes later, tells her everything that happened, that her father's dead, her brother's dead, Hamlet's dead, and then she and Horatio get married. And this, uh, that's where the book ends. Is, is the book, that's, is this the book like, that, that got turned into the movie? Is this what the movie is? The Ophelia I movie? I don't. I'm not sure because I, don't I know haven't either. seen I haven't seen the movie. The Ophelia movie with Daisy Ridley. I didn't Daisy Ridley. That seems like a baddie choice at the end. Beth and I, I think, both were on the same page on that. Um, Why the fuck would she marry Hamlet's it's built gay up, boyfriend? It's built up better in the novel, <laughs> but you do have a valid point. Horatio is gay. Yes, I agree with you. He loves Hamlet. They are in like Hamlet is by. Yes, he loves. Horatio, he loves Ophelia. Like, there's no reason, like, unless she's Horatio's beard, why would they get together? It's a it's a well, societal marriage beyond, for convenience. Right. That could perfectly fine with that. But also you don't just marry like the best friend two days later. No, you marry his brother. No, yeah, you marry <laughs> exactly. his brother. Right. When the After the brothers confirm, you know, so realistically, she should be marrying Laertes. But Horatio should marry Laertes. Well, Laertes died, so. <laughs> but regardless, what I appreciate about that novel, and it's been a while since I read it, I just skimmed through it today. But what I appreciate is that it it makes Ophelia important to the story, beyond just as a device. Beyond, and the it plot gives device. her the power to make these choices. And I, I want that for Ophelia in this story because she's such a tragic figure, but it's not her fault. Well, yeah, she has no control over her own tragedy. And you None. can at least you can at least give Gertrude some agency with how you direct the last Gertrude scene be, in particular. Well, yeah, Gertrude can be played with agency. There are ways for Gertrude to make choices about her life. Including the well, fact that she could choose Claudius. Right. So how complicit was she in the death of her husband? Right. And that would be a really interesting way to play Gertrude. That's, that's a very interesting way to play Gertrude. I want to hit on something you just mentioned in the Ophelia mm-hmm. adaptation because it is something that you have to – a choice that the actresses have to make for both Gertrude and for Ophelia. And it doesn't – no matter how you answer the question, it doesn't really help the these characters or plot device problem. But are either Ophelia or Gertrude pregnant when they die? Yeah. Because both question. of those answers have far-reaching consequences. Absolutely they do. Absolutely they do. Because if Ophelia is pregnant, that ties into is her death a suicide or was it an accident Mm -hmm. because if she's pregnant and therefore by society's standards she's ruined because we live in a patriarchal nightmare um you know especially in entertainment 720 ad times yeah like that might be one reason why she would choose to take her own life rather than 
have to to build on that. But um, also touching on adaptations briefly in the David Tennant Hamlet, um, the scene at the end, Gertrude has the cup of poison. And when Hamlet refuses it, she's like, oh, I'll drink from it. And you have Patrick Stewart as Claudius behind her going, Gertrude, don't drink. And she knows at that moment. Why are you calling it the the David Tennant Hamlet when Patrick Stewart is in it? Because David Tennant plays Hamlet. No, no, it doesn't matter. (laughs) And I've never met Patrick Stewart, but I've met David Tennant. Yeah, but I'm I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Did you just call him David Stewart? Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) She's had enough to drink. But no, you can't just call it. I'm not, not mad. Like, yes, David Tennant plays Hamlet, but it is you, you can't call it the David Tennant Be- Hamlet when it has because Sir Patrick, Patrick Stewart, Stewart has in it. also played Hamlet. Regardless. And if we I can't think of any I can't think of any Patrick Stewart performances of Hamlet. I, regardless, um he's the, the Gertrude choice in that is really interesting because as soon as Claudia says don't drink, she knows the way they play it. Exactly. She knows this goblet is poisoned. Everything Hamlet was telling me about this is correct. I don't want to be part of this anymore. I'm making the only choice that I can to prove that Claudia is... This is my way out. This, this is, is my, my way out. out. And she chooses to drink the poison. And that was a really, like, I remember Chase and I watching it together for the first time. And we're just sitting there going, yeah, this is Hamlet. This is good. Okay. Yeah. Well, what did Gertrude just do? Curious. And it was it was like a joint reaction. All right, who directed it? Great question. The David I will Tennant look Hamlet. it up. Keep oh, talking. That was. Yeah. It was Royal Shakespeare Company. It was Royal Shakespeare Company, and it also oh, so was, we just call it think, the. Ar- it was also technically an adaptation. What do you have against David Tennant? It was I don't an have adaptation of their Tennant. stage performance of, their stage of it. Stage right? Gregory Doran. Gregory Doran. Yeah. Gregory Doran. Okay, Thank so you. it's the Doran Hamlet because just like the Zeffirelli Hamlet, it's not the main actor that it's necessarily it, but called. But it, it is. So That's is. how Because it's refer- the Lawrence Olivier's Hamlet. It's Richard Burton's Hamlet. Yeah, it's- but in this case, when you have Sir Patrick Stewart playing Claudius, you can't just the ghost. only reference David Tennant. Okay, fine. Hey, Patrick Stewart's in it. He's pretty but good. I mean, you can't call good. it the Tenant Hamlet then. Fine, I can because I did. I don't want to. But I wouldn't say I don't want to argue with you about it. But that's the way it is. Look, Ryan was—he frequently. came here expecting arguments. <laughs> Half Hill's just I've delivering. Told you to fuck off multiple times. I feel like it, this is. But, a uh, thing uh, to I thought about. we were saving adaptations to the we end. We are. We are saving. Keeps- I just. She keeps jumping into adaptation. No, no, you derailed the train. I keep jumping in it. I'm not derailing the train. I'm making a connection at the junction, okay? <laughs> no, 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 no. You said we're waiting on adaptations, the and then you keep jumping into adaptation. Because they're directly related to agency of women because they're adaptations that fix the agency of women, so it's part of the conversation. Let's talk about the Oedipus complex. Beth, go. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay, so it's completely unnecessary. <clears throat> to add in an Oedipal complex to this, there is enough going on throughout this play. It adds absolutely nothing to have Hamlet want to have sex with his mother. I think, yeah, we have, to, from a directorial standpoint, you have to bring it up. You have to talk it through with your actors to have the conversation, to talk it through, to make sure everybody's on the same fucking page. So if somebody comes to you as an actor and they're like, you know what, I actually do like that. 
you look at them and you be like, fire them. Have you, I have a name of a like a good counselor. I mean, I think the next yeah. answer is why. Yeah, the the answer is why. It, it's it's sell this to me. What you have yeah. you want to play this? You think it's interesting? Why do you want to do this? Back it up. Either that. Or it's, I value creative input, however, I'm the director and I'm saying no. I feel like when people see Hamlet come at his mom like that, they initially feel that tension and think sexual tension. And I don't understand it. I don't think it is. I agree. I think that it's it's weird that people automatically equate any tension between male and female as sexual. It yes. is yeah. it is something that I played with both times I did it. I played with it, uh, particularly in that scene with Hamlet and Gertrude in Gertrude's room, not because I thought there should be an Oedipus complex or that it was there or that it deserves mention, but because the audience ha- may or may not have knowledge that this is a thing that's talked about and a relationship that's talked about, and I want it to be so uncomfortable that if they're thinking, oh my god, how crazy is this dude that he's trying to have sex with his mom here and this and this whole thing, let all of that energy and all of that narrative around all of that, let that feed into Hamlet is performing that. Well, and it fucks with the comfort level, and I yeah. agree with that. It does. Yeah. But no, the, right. edi- the Oedipus but in complex, general... it's no, 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 no. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Yes. Go away. Yeah, dumb. So, so jumping off of the comment that you just made, Ryan, about Hamlet performing madness, let's touch on that a little bit. So we, we mentioned earlier in the last episode, one of the decisions you have to make as an actor, one of the decisions you have to make as a director is at And you have to be point, on the same page. Oh, yeah. yeah. At what point does Hamlet go mad? How much of his madness is performative? How much of his madness is just actually him dealing with a lot of shit and not handling it well? And I I have seen it done, I think, all the different ways there. But my favorites are always when it kind of flows back and forth. Where you can't quite tell. For the most part, the madness is performative. And you can tell sometimes that he's performing it. But there are times where he slips into it and you can see that he's broken and wrecked by the things that are happening around him. Which is valid. Well, that's, that is and my favorite. I agree with Beth pulls on Pulls back out to, to do something, to move forward. I, but I, I do love it being performative for the most part. I agree with Beth on that. Um, I like when... Yeah, I mean, he's got a touch of crazy. But I like when it is largely performative. That he is playing everybody around him um, if you, I, you, you lose something, I think, in going, he's crazy, and that's just it. Yeah, I, I like I his madness a lot. Then he has no agency either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like, and his if you're madness. taking away agency from everybody, then what? Who has agency? Claudius, Horatio. <laughs> Horatio, Yorick, Yorick's got some agency <laughs> left in that skull. He's the he's the friar and he's still calling the shots from the grave. Fuck yeah. Poorly too. Poorly. Well, yeah, absolutely. Par for the course. Um, but I do I do agree. I really like the idea that the madness comes from I've played madness so long that I'm losing my grip on what I was what? trying to do in the beginning and, and also, also- 
He's got just, a lot of shit going yeah, on. Just moments where he slips into, oh my God, my situation right now is so messed up and I am not old enough to deal with it. My prefrontal cortex is not fully formed. Who's asking <laughs> me to avenge murder? Yeah. I'm getting visited Man, by... I hate it when my by, prefrontal cortex isn't formed. By ghosts? I'm not 25 yet. Yeah. I don't know how to tell if this yet. is real. Um, and... Go ahead, Cassie. Well, I was going to jump us to another pin with that transition, oh. but if you have more to say, then oh, by all yeah. means, yeah. Well, yeah, I do. haven't gone yet, so I'm going to go now. Uh, go yeah. for it. Um, yeah, so... If Hamlet's mad from the beginning, then he's mad the whole time, and that's boring. If Hamlet is um, just play-acting the entire time then 17-year-old Hamlet is the greatest actor of all time. Exactly, and that's, which is not. And it's not. It's backed up a little bit. It can be. in his. If you, he's very smart. He's very smart. He's very intelligent. He knows how to communicate when the players show up. He changes the language. He is able to write a play. He like and, and, and that is also his thought. Like Hamlet haps, absolutely has to be a theater kid because his first thought of how do I solve this problem is I'm going to write a show. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, he's so he's very very intelligent, and I think he is a good actor, uh, and he's able to sell it. But I do think that it is a, it is more apt to say that it is a descent into madness. The method. It's yeah, and that's where I was going with this. Is I I do not like this as an analogy for it, but it's the easiest way to explain it. Is that Hamlet, the character, is a method actor who just goes in too deep. And you can't get out. And it's and then yeah, and then if that. you need an analogy to that, you can think about Heath Ledger and the Joker. Like that is the easiest way to to uh, uh, get across how I yeah. how I yep. think the arc of Hamlet is. Um, yeah, that it, that's it's way deeper than just that. But a lot no, of those same thoughts. Level, it's, yeah. it's a close enough analogy that I don't feel bad putting it out i like the defense of if he's mad the whole time that's boring that's so boring i agree that's so boring i don't want to watch that it's so boring yep. for four hours if he's mad the, if he's mad the whole time for four hours yep you have nowhere to go i agree what's he get more yep. he gets he gets more mad he gets more crazy he's already crazy. he gets kidnapped by pirates at one point he does get he kidnapped does. By, pirates. by pirates is cool yeah but if he's if, <laughs> All the, all the okay. cool kids. But if are doing he gets it. okay, if here's the thing: if he gets kidnapped by pirates, but Hamlet is just fucking nuts. Maybe he didn't get kidnapped by pirates. Maybe he made it all up. Maybe maybe Hamlet is the pirate king, and he just had them write it down and send the letter back. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's what happened to Pericles. <laughs> look, look, <laughs> listeners at home, you can't you can't see you can't see the Zoom video. <laughs> but best eyes, like it was, it was, a, it was perfect. It was beautiful. She had the beautiful but mind moment yeah, where all the amazing. equations just spread in front of her, and she saw I, it. But best, I best really, face. really bought in to the Shakespeare theatrical universe. I, the set, the set, you one hundred percent onto it. The so setu, what the happens, Shakespeare extended theatrical universe. What happens to Hamlet after he leaves Denmark between Denmark and Wittenberg? That allows him to 
Den- Kill Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Denmark and England. And get back to Denmark. He doesn't go back to Wittenberg. Yeah. That's where his college is. He goes to England. Yeah, Wittenberg like, is in... That's where he was going. Wittenberg's in London. It's in England. Oh, is it? Okay. In- it's an English college. Doesn't sound right? like an English like, college. It sounds like a German college. There's a sister... Wittenberg. University for it in Ohio. V- Wittenberg. I am aware. Wittenberger. All right. Bitburger. Bittenbinder. I'll have to look it up. I always assumed that it was an English college, because he's going back to England with his college friends. Look, I don't know, but yes. If he is... Either way. Either way. So, what happens in that time frame that he is missing? It is almost as mysterious as what happens in the, like, what, 15 years that we don't see Christ in the Bible. What's going on? (laughs) What the fuck is happening with Hamlet? What if he... What if he is the pirate king? We got a letter. What if he? What if he is the captain of the boat at the Tempest? What, what if he is <laughs> the captain of the boat at Hamlet? Oh my God! What all if? Of those what if he? Pirates of plot. Just it's Hamlet. What if he's That's the friar? Doesn't make any fucking sense. Beth, what, what if he's the friar? the friar? He might be the friar. No, stop it! He's not the friar. <laughs> what if though? What if Horatio all, is the friar? We we know who the friar is. We've already decided. What if Polonius on is the friar? Jacques is the friar. Jacques is the friar. You're right. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I overstepped bounds. <laughs> and then dies now. Uh, so is his last name York? Because he's Friar Francis. Jacques, Jacques Yorah. At some point, didn't we establish that he changes his name? By Francis. Is, is Hamlet just. Does that explain Caliban? Yes, because uh, that's actually what happened to Fortinbras. Or not Fortinbras, but to uh, uh, Guildenstern. Yeah, Guildenstern becomes Rosencrantz, Rosencrantz is gone. That is Dex. But Guildenstern? But Guildenstern is Caliban. Is Caliban. <laughs> I seriously need to build my Shakespeare wall with the string and the post-its. Get, your, get, get an evidence back, dungeon going. Come to this episode. No, I like, I, tomorrow, like, uh, I, like Hamlet, I like Hamlet as all the pirates. Is all of yes. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so in the interlude, in the time from when he was banished from Denmark, yes. and he was supposed to go to England, and he sent a letter that said, right. "I didn't go to England. I got captured by pirates." <laughs> what really happened was he was sailing to England. He talked to the ship captain. The ship Could captain, be a dread pirate Roberts. Yeah, kind of exactly. The ship captain's good like, work today. I'll likely kill you tomorrow. The ship captain goes, you know. Uh, but it doesn't work if you're the dread pirate Hamlet. Hamlet. Nobody's going to fucking buy that. They like the dread pirate Roberts. It's a thing. It's a brand. Brand recognition. And so Hamlet goes dread pirate Roberts. He crashes Pericles' ship. <laughs> you know, he fucks everything up. He is every pirate of plot convenience. Every Beautiful. time there's twins that need separated. Yep. Comedy is there. He's on it. Yeah, he takes care of it. He covers a lot of ground for like a five day journey. Yeah. yeah. Well, it this takes is seriously like, the what? the setu. It takes two hours to get from Rome <laughs> all, to anywhere. That's all true. Roads lead to Rome. In yeah. Two and hours. So he just goes to Rome, and then he can hop anywhere he needs. Anywhere to. he wants to. Perfect. Yeah. The next On, leap. Well, he's, he's with a, he's, a leap home. he's a he's a prince. He's already well traveled. He's been many places before. And as we all know, in extended universes and video games, if you've already been to the fi- place, you can fast travel there. Fast travel. There yeah. it is. Yes. Perfect. 
Yeah, and then the next leap Perfect. could be the leap home, which <laughs> eventually it is. He does leap home to Denmark. It's and true. he did it's murder true. Cleopatra on the way. Well, she did that to herself, but he provided the snake. You gotta watch out, because she will make your teeth bleed. She will. She'll punch you square in the mouth. I would put Cleopatra up against almost every villain in all of Shakespeare, and she's gonna come out on top. Oh my god, do you know how quickly she would have killed Claudius? Oh, it, she wouldn't even wait in. <laughs> she'd have thrown like, that uh, snake at him right away. Because <laughs> my dad just told me that... She'd have caught him in the him. orchard, is what would have happened with Cleopatra. She would have yeah, seen it happen. Yeah. She'd have seen that ear poison, and she'd have fucked him up. She'd have known how to cure the ear She's... poison, because snakes. Because <laughs> of snakes. She only dies to poison when she chooses to die from poison. That's right. Other than That's that. That's right. She, made, she has you agency. You have no proof she could have been killed otherwise. She has agency. Um, unlike Ophelia. And unlike, Ophelia. unlike Ophelia. So, um, but I do have some interesting tidbits, because I love to throw this stuff out um, while we're doing this. So the story of Shakespeare's Hamlet, derived from a Danish legend about a guy by the name of Amleth. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Saxo Grammaticus. He's a, a Roman. Oh, yeah. Jesse, a- you're related to him too, right? <laughs> yes. He's like a he's like an Anglo-Saxon Roman. I don't know. He's a historian. But he he wrote about him. Some French guy wrote about him. And then, actually, this is because I'm actually getting into shared authorship. Oh, that's a whole can what? of worms. Ooh. So, this yeah. actually has a reverse. Like, so normally, a lot of times, we'll come into this and we'll go, is there a shared authorship? And we'll go, oh, no, this one is believed to be pure Billy. Um, you know, or this one is, uh, you know, maybe it's Billy and Decker. Or maybe it's Billy and... Uh, some other asshole. So there was a play that precedes Hamlet called Ur Hamlet. You are dash Hamlet. Um, it precedes Hamlet, and that's my Twitter handle at you are Hamlet. Hamlet. Yeah, it's an earlier Elizabethan play, and actually believed that Shakespeare may have written this earlier Ur Hamlet and then rewritten it later for his Hamlet. Um, Hamlet is believed to be written in like 1599. It is in the first quarto, the second quarto, and the first folio, and none of those versions are the same. Yeah. Hmm. 1603, 1604, and 1623 and there are discrepancies between all three versions. Now, do they leave Fortinbras in? Who knows? Because, <laughs> so Shakespeare's got his own shared authorship confusion that he's bringing to the table for Hamlet. That he may have written the previous work that he based this work off of. There's also the version... Um, I think it's just, it's honestly like known in circles as like the bad Hamlet. And it it's likely that copyright wasn't a thing back then. And so sometimes authors and producers would like pay people to go watch to go steal a the show play. and then come back and like recite as much of it from memory as they could. 
and then they would steal it. So there's a version of Hamlet that is most likely that. It's like somebody trying to remember after the fact. And the famous to be or not to be speech is like, to be or not to be. Aye, that's the point. And like, that's how the first line got recorded down. Aye, there's the rub. Oh my gosh. Aye, there's the rub. I forgot there is the worst adaptation ever. Very good musical. We're not on adaptations yet because Ryan will yell at you if you try to talk about them right now. And look, you kept bringing them up after you told us. You told us the order, and then you fucked it up. Well, if we're talking about the authorship of Hamlet, we do need to talk about uh, the original version of Hamlet, which was Omelette. (laughs) Omelette the musical. (laughs) (laughs) What about okay, Hamlet Okay, tell us about Omelette. Omelette the musical. Um, well, so there was this dude, and he went, and mm-hmm. he had this, like, vision from a, uh, uh, given to him by a Jew, and uh, decided that musicals were going to be all the rage, um, but they didn't realize that was going to happen 350 years later, and decided it should happen now. So they wrote a musical called Omelette the Musical, and Shakespeare's a rock star. How much of it still exists? Uh, it was uh, only like three songs, uh, and they all have the same uh, uh, rhythm, uh, and they're not they're not great songs. Um, but they did write one song about the Black Death. I bet that was catchy. Oh, that as was hell. that was baller! Like you can't get that out of your head. It's great. You're singing about it all the time. It was catchy too. Like it's a nice, happy little catchy tune about the Black Death. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to find this. Are we gonna put it on? Can we rally the Ghostlight Media to put it on? I think we could. Um, I think there might be some producers, uh, up in Broadway that might be mad that I'm absolutely ripping off something rotten right now. That's okay. Let's do it. Yeah, I wanted, I would love to do something rotten. Me too. Me too. (laughs) I love music. That's why we were talking about it while you weren't here. I had to pee, so you're welcome. <laughs> Let's touch a little bit on uh, the language question. We talked about it a bit. It did. Before. Ryan Ryan did bring it up briefly. Um, other Ryan. So we're gonna and Beth, you can talk about your class divide here as well, because because it go. I mean, the class divide goes right in with the language. Yeah, because I I know that I never noticed it before midsummer when you pointed it out. But ever since then, it's I pick it up every time now that when he is dealing with lower classes, he drops out of verse and into prose. Mm -hmm. So the language level lowers. And then we can see when he's when it's uppity uppity court people, we see the language heighten its verse and then it becomes complicated. It becomes a tetrameter. Mm -hmm. It becomes something out of the norm in the other direction. And so I I think it's really interesting. That's all. That's all. Yeah. I love that the mechanicals do it. I love that it plays through right into the the player king and all of his yeah. players. Well and yeah. often we're but the, Oh. My but my biggest class point is it had to do with Polonius. Yeah. And telling Ophelia to stay away because yes, he's risen. But if your daughter is seen at taking a, a swing at the prince, 
it doesn't matter how much you've done for the king, your position is very tentative. And yeah. You could be Especially when it's a new king. Yeah. yeah. He could decide that so, you're being a little too uh, familiar. Yeah. So there is a lot of class that comes into play there, especially with Laertes when it, he comes back. Um, and he's trying to take over, kind of. Like he's got the support of the people. So there's a lot of class stuff that's going mm-hmm. on inside this play. If you look at Polonius's family as being lesser, if you look at Polonius's family as being equal and peers, it changes. But it is a decision to make on on where he falls. Absolutely, yeah. For sure. That's all I had on that. That's, it, I guess it wasn't a long read. That's, yeah, well, that's no, it's that's still fine. though. Yeah. I think it's, it's I think it's more interesting. Important. I guess. Well, I guess because I don't. I don't read this. I don't read the script as a uh, 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 a nice book to curl up with. I always read it for performance. How would you perform this? How would you tell this story? What choices would you make? Um, well, and that's that's a big thing for us here. Yeah, Shakespeare's uh, meant to be performed, not read. Oh, exactly. absolutely. So, exactly. But anytime yeah. you're dealing with any kind of literature, I always like to take a, a variety of different lenses. Oh, sure, 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 sure. But I'm just thinking, uh, so in performing it, it's far more interesting if Polonius has worked his ass off to get to where he is, and you get to then look through the play, look at the play through the lens of class differences. It's We started at the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. Ophelia, yeah, and that makes the Ophelia and the Laertes connections and story more interesting. If Ophelia is the daughter of old money noble, she's even less interesting. She's even more of just a plot yeah. device. Like, yeah, you're taking something away from Ophelia then. Yeah. It also makes more sense as why nothing happens to Hamlet when he fucking murders a man. Yeah. He stabs him and drags his body around a castle. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is the and prince, like, so he could kill pretty much anyone. Yeah. And then it's just except like, for his to, uncle. Go back to school in England, so I don't have to deal with you. Yeah, it's yeah. like even even if Polonius was a fucking duke, which is the next level down from royalty. Even if Polonius is a fucking duke, Hamlet could kill him as the royal prince. And still, you know, what a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Now, of course, this is Denmark. Technically, he should have had to pay Guild to Polonius's family uh, for murdering him. Like, they wouldn't have actually sought to physically revenge themselves on Hamlet. They would have sought money reparations for the murder of Polonius. Yeah, but that wouldn't get a dead Hamlet in the end, so. No, it's true. But yeah, I, I think yeah, I think those are all good points for sure to think about as you're as you're directing and putting this show on. With language, you know, you like we said, we talked about you see the interesting things, and I agree that where we see the language shifts is always what's more interesting than that there are language shifts, but where we see them, yeah, is what's interesting. It denotes, if nothing else, that Shakespeare as he's writing, is aware heavily. He knows what he's doing with it, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It doesn't happen by accident. No. Mm-hmm. no. It's like, well, and that's, yeah. the, that's the biggest thing, is if you analyze Shakespeare based 
purely on when he shifts between prose and verse. Like you could build an entire career yeah. of analyzing no. Shakespeare on just that. It always matters. It always means something. It it's always, always means deliberate. something. And like that's how you find either your character's class standing. It's how you find your character's frame of mind, which I think happens in this one a lot. I think there are times when Hamlet slips into prose in the throes of madness, in addition to just like when he's talking to someone of a lower standing. And so you look at those places where the the meter falters, and that gives you clues into mental state. And I'd have to go back through with this one and actually like, you know, mark out the meter to find it. But I'm positive that especially with characters like Hamlet and with characters like Claudius, when they're struggling with, uh, you know, their conscience and these questions, these big morality questions, I'm sure that the meter falters as they are, you know, you know, figuring out and, and not confident and not sure of themselves. Um, so absolutely. And I think also talking about language with this play, we have to address that not only are some of the most famous soliloquies from Shakespeare in this play, I think also some of his most like poignant and beautiful writing is in this play. Like what a piece of work is man is one of my favorite speeches from the entire canon. Well, it's amazing. And actually most of the speeches are better then to be or not to be. To be or yes. not to be just happens to be the famous one that everybody gets made to memorize. Like you have to learn to be or not to be. Everybody can do like the first several lines of to be or not to be off the top of their head. Even people that don't do Shakespeare had to suffer through being, you know, made to do it in school because one, they weren't taught that they were not taught Shakespeare properly. They had to suffer the slings and arrows of a lesser monologue. Yes. Um, Oh, that got you a pat on the head instead of a well done. Well done. It's because he's sleeping. But yeah, like there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that approach Shakespeare in a way that is for oh, Shakespeare is only for the smart kids, which is just not true. Hence, why we've done this for seventy three episodes. And we don't edit out the dick and fart jokes and we don't stop saying fuck because Shakespeare would have wanted it that way. Um, but you get into people that, that wouldn't normally approach this and they know to be or not to be. Everybody knows that's Billy Shakes and they can maybe even do more than just the, the, the first four words. You know, you might be able to get to be or not to be, whether it is nobler in the mind, you know, or whatever. That is the question, whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them. You might get that out of some people, but everybody knows it. And it's not the best speech in the play. It's It kind of is similar to, man, I'm just going to reference R&J all the time, I guess, but... It's similar to the thing you know from Romeo and Juliet is, oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? And everybody knows. Everybody it. knows the first couple of lines of that. And it's not a great speech. And then everybody. But everybody just, knows. Yeah, it. but everybody knows it so much that they fuck up the first line and where, and they don't understand what wherefore means. 
Like, why are you Romeo? Yeah, it's the same with to be or not to be. People say it and they don't understand what it means. No, but oh, what a piece of work is man. Is a real good speech. It's a real good speech. Real good speech. It's, yeah. Well, and, and Hamlet, Hamlet's five, sometimes six monologues. That's it. It doesn't matter what else you do if you play Hamlet. If you can hit those monologues, you did. You did it. You did Speaking your job. Speaking of adaptation. That's what I learned from Slings and Arrows season one. Well, and that's true. <laughs> Slings and Arrows is an amazing adaptation. We should get the we should get the theme song, the the chin up Hamlet for this. Yeah, I'm sure that's royalty but... free. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but if we, if we play if we play less than thirty seconds of it, it's not necessarily true. It it, it depends a lot on circumstance. But I am not getting into a rights discussion right now because <laughs> it is fair. like tomorrow already. It um, is tomorrow already. But look, this episode is already tomorrow still- and tomorrow creeps. It's such a petty. No, that one's that one's in a couple plays still, Beth. And I, oh, yeah, my, we're bad. Still, we're gonna, my bad. Because we have decided to insert um, the off malign, off cast aside, two noble kinsmen. Yeah. Um, originally, we were going to end on Hamlet Mackers back to back double whammy. Um, but we are going to do the. Uh, we're going to throw two noble kinsmen in there, so we'll yeah, get to, a palate cleanse. Yeah, it's right. a palate exactly. cleanser between. Um, well, because I mean, really, look, we need to be able to roll in and be like, "Man, this was a dumb fucking play." We can't do that. We might when it no. when it comes to when it comes to two Shakespeare's. Are you top worried that I'm two, maligning it? Top two tragedies, which is what our end. You know, like what we're at. You know, Hamlet. And Mackers. Some people go Hamlet. Some people go Mackers. You're not wrong for going either way. No. I come down on... I pers- I would pick Hamlet, personally, over Mackers. However, um, the argument I hear most often for Mackers over Hamlet that I do agree with is teaching in a high school classroom. Don't teach Hamlet. Mm. Teach Mackers. Teach Mackers to high schoolers. It's way more interesting to 16-year-olds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My no, I agree. senior English teacher taught us both. Well, See, and, and, and that's senior. great. Chase got to play the Spearman. Fuck him up, Spearman. Fuck him up, flag guy. Look, we're, we, we will get to that story in due time. <laughs> We've told it that is, story is, already. By far. I will, get, I, will, I will get Brittany in front of a microphone to help tell that story. but one of my one of my favorite things to talk about with hamlet is that this play was how i was introduced to one of my favorite words in the english language but also one of my favorite just concepts entirely in general and this was in scott magnuson's uh theater history in college talking about mogelson yes mogelson scott mogelson um talking about hamlet and he taught us the term palimpsest. And so I've probably talked about this on this podcast before. I absolutely love No, we it. haven't, actually. I don't We haven't. So. Well, then I'm happy to educate. So literally, a palimpsest refers to a piece of animal skin that was used for writing. And when you had finished writing one thing and you didn't need it anymore, but you wanted to reuse the skin, you would scrape the top layer off so that you could write on it fresh. However, 
because of the nature of animal skin, there was no way to get it completely clean, especially around the edges. And so every time you would write on a piece of animal skin, you were writing through the echoes of everything that had been written on it before. And that's what the concept of palimpsest is. And Scott used it specifically in the context of Hamlet. And so basically it means that Hamlet is so well known and so often done, it is impossible for you as an actor to be free of its influence, even if you're not aware of how you're influenced by it. When you perform Hamlet, you are always performing every version of Hamlet that's always already been done. Yep. Your choices are being influenced by what other people have done or what other you're, people haven't done. You're you being are working, influenced by Olivier yeah. and Burton and You're David always Tennant. connected. And I think this goes for theater in general. And I think it's part of the reason I love theater as much as I do. And I think this group loves theater as much as they do is you're always connected to what's been done before. You're always growing from what's been done before and you're always self-referencing back to what's been done before. You can't be free of past of productions. And I just absolutely love that idea. Hamlet's been performed for, you know, 400 years now. Mm-hmm. And every time we perform it anew, we're building on the legacy that has existed for centuries. Hamlet's a great example of it, right? Because everyone knows the Burton Hamlet. Everyone knows uh, the Olivier, um, the Zeffirelli with Mel Gibson, Kenneth Branagh, like those, even those, even just those four Hamlets and how those were performed will influence anyone who is performing Hamlet now. David Tennant performing Hamlet. All of those things, and it's, like you said, it's it's the echoes of the past, and that happens in all theater, but, like, this play, especially with how popular it is, how often it's performed. What's the... Speaking of how often it's performed... Oh, I'm unprepared! I can't believe she's not ready. <laughs> she's not ready. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, man, I slipped her up. I win. <laughs> I just won. I thought you were the organized one. I am the organized one. I just Um, won the podcast. (laughs) Cassie wasn't ready. It'll never happen again. I know. Um, Hey, but but I won this one. Cassie was mid-TED Talk, so. I was mid-TED Talk about Palimpsest. Yeah, I came to her TED Talk, and then I reversed her TED Talk. Yeah, Um, yeah, you jumped up on the stage. I took a a Shakespeare (laughs) class, like a few of us did. I took a Shakespeare class from Stephanie Gearhart. Same class. At BGSU. Yeah, we were in that class together. And we watched like five Hamlet to be or not to be's back to back in that class when we were talking about Hamlet. We watched Mel Gibson and Laurence Olivier and David Tennant and Kenneth Branagh um, to compare and to show like those comparisons. And Hamlet has been performed at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival 12 times. So not the most. Not the most. It puts it kind of in the middle of the pack. The most frequent are 16. Yep. Not the most, and but far from the bottom. The bottom is what, five? Four. Four. That so, would be King John. No. King, this is the uh, Oregon, Oregon Shakespeare Shake. Festival. Oregon Shakespeare. Okay. Gotcha. Chase and I went out there a couple years ago, and on the outside ring of their outdoor theater, they have plaques of what was performed every year. Okay. So I took pictures and compiled it into a spreadsheet because I'm that kind of nerd. Yes. And I because wanted she's to have that data it should be noted 
that data was already available on their website. Not like organized the way I wanted it to be. Okay, so we're all nerds and we're all theater nerds. We're all Shakespeare nerds. Cassie is our nerd. It's if true. that says anything. I take pride in it. <laughs> like, but it's also, we picked that one. I have gone to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival many times. I have family that lives in Ashland right there. Uh, Tyler lives there now. They've been there. It's a I, I've never been, um, but it is on, it's, it's a bucket list for me. Yeah. Um, I almost moved out there to audition for Oregon Shakes several years back. Hannah and I, uh, so it's been within the last 11 or 12 years that we've been together. Um, we almost moved to Oregon. Um, didn't happen, but um, I would love to get out there. One, I miss Tyler. Um, and two, I would love to see some shows out there, Oregon Shakes. I have not gotten a chance to do that yet. Um, I've never been to Stratford either. Strat- um, Stratford's also beautiful. I've been to Stratford and that once. One's, that's like a day trip, honestly. Oh, well, Stratford, I, I could, I could get to. I also have a wife. I have a yeah, wife yeah. who's not a Shakespeare person. For me, it's a solo trip. Yeah. I, I've been to Stratford once and it wasn't even for Shakespeare. <laughs> I went, uh, uh, during a school day, uh, the theater teacher at our, my school, uh, she and I got special dispensation to take a professional development day to drive to Stratford to catch the matinee performance of The Crucible because we were staging it. <laughs> so we, yeah, it was a great day. That sounds amazing. It was, and it was, oh my God. And it was an incredible performance of The Crucible too. Uh, but we, like, this show ended and we looked at, it, at each other and we we're like, that was incredible. That was a tight three hours. We're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tight, a it was tight, a three, tight hours. three hours. You gotta hurry before the Canadian borders close. So none of us can go see any of it this year. No. Well, no, because, no. because people from the United States are not allowed to go to other countries right now. Wear a mask. But there's still a lot of yes. the yes, Colorado Shakespeare Festival put up almost everything they were doing this year uh, to watch online, and so did the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Stratford as well. So there's a lot of bad. streaming so, options. Yeah. While there are idiots out there who refuse to participate in getting America through this pandemic, by but if you need something to do for a weekend, you can also watch ten different Hamlets. 10, 15. Can. Let's talk about adaptation. And then we got to go because um, it's almost time. Yeah. So the the reason I wanted to hold this off on the to the end is because I want to talk about my absolute favorite adaptation. And it's one I've never seen. But in 2016, the Shotgun Players in Berkeley, California, did put on a production that spanned 32 performances that they called Hamlet Roulette. And the actors were all part of the workshop. It was a company of seven performers. They all worked with the director to streamline the show down to 90 minutes and so that it could be performed by seven people. They double cast all of the parts. Every actor learned every role in the show. And before performance every night, they drew the roles they would be playing out of a hat. And you never, yep, they never. And awful. I would love to do it. As an actor? And uh, I was lucky enough to have a friend on Tumblr who lived out there, 
and became a super fan of this production and went to almost every performance. And at the end of each performance, she would write up a review of how it changed. Each combination. Like each combination, how they worked together. And so the, the characters were Hamlet, not double cast with anybody no, because how words. could you? Horatio and Ophelia were the same actor. Okay. Cracks. Claudius and Rosencrantz. Yeah. Claudius and Rosencrantz. They talk to Gertrude each other. and Gildenstein. Well, they, they talk to each other, but you don't have to. You can work around that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Ghost and the Gravedigger. Makes more sense to do Ghost and Claudius, it's a but. Chill night for, the, yeah, for that person. Night. Yeah, you get um, a nice break yeah, in the middle of that show. It's a nice yeah. yeah that, maybe that's why they did that. They maybe they did that Possibly. on purpose. Like, hey, it's your turn for a break. Yeah, to chill out. Polonius, the priest, and Osric, who I think probably stood in for like yes. every courtier. Os- well, yeah, Osric. Yeah, they the probably show. they yeah. probably every courtier was Osric and yeah. then George. and then Laertes, yes. um, who yeah. Laertes wasn't cast was double cast with anybody. Laertes was also the understudy, so there was like an eighth member of the company who only learned that part. And so if somebody was sick or couldn't they perform, played Laertes. they would put the understudy in for Laertes and then you just did that the works. other six around it. Well, and that's the, why Polonius when, has when someone three. Was, Hamlet has none, Laertes yeah. has none. That's why Polonius has three, because you have 13 holes you have to cover. Yeah. And so somebody, when the director was giving you know, an interview about why they chose to do it this way. This was the quote. And it like really resonated with me. Every actor is right for Hamlet because there is something of Hamlet in every human being. No. Uh, yeah. And so they really wanted to put the focus on like the story and the character and not like who's playing Hamlet, because that's typically the draw. That's why we would tend to refer to adaptations by their Hamlet, because that's how you hook people in. And so this was was more saying, like, it doesn't matter who plays Hamlet. It doesn't matter who plays Ophelia. Like, anybody can play any of these roles. And the cast was really diverse, too, in terms of both, like, race and ethnicity the thing that, and age. The thing that bothers me about referring gender. to Hamlet by only who plays Hamlet, and maybe it's because of the Zeffirelli Hamlet. Franco Zeffirelli was not playing Hamlet. No, I think we just call it the Zeffirelli Hamlet because we also have the, the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet. I don't yeah. like I don't like before, doing that for there either. There was a really but. long time. There's a really long time I called it the Mel Gibson Hamlet. But the Mel Gibson Hamlet or the Zeffirelli Hamlet is way better than the Branagh Hamlet. Way better. I loved the. My biggest thing with most of the adaptations is that everybody who plays Hamlet is too old to play Hamlet. I love David Tennant in the role, it's but he's too old. old. But the Bran, the Branagh Hamlet is Branagh's pure old. spectacle. It's so. Yeah. It's a musical. It's so. Pretty. No, it's garbage. It's um. It's a. It's pure spectacle. The Zeffirelli Hamlet did... at least looks like it belongs in Denmark. All right. The Ethan Hawke did a fantastic. Well. He did an interesting one. He did an interesting one. An interesting one. I will give you an interesting (laughs) one. I will agree with that. It was fantastic in that it turned a couple of things on its head and it kind of like Yes, it was was interesting interesting and even more interesting because uh, do you remember who who his Polonius was? Not off the top of my head. Julia Stiles was his Ophelia. Bill Murray. Bill Murray was was his Polonius. Polonius. 
but it was which is an amazing choice. casting. It, it is. It really it is. is. And, and it, leave and and leave Schreiber was his Laertes. And Liev Schreiber is amazing, and I love him and everything. I would pick him to be my king. Liev, well, Liev Schreiber, Especially but at the time, then. though, in 2000, the year 2000, Liev Schreiber was way too young to play Claudius. Way too young. That's not at all what I meant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you meant sexually. Okay. I'm yes. not blaming you. No, I I agree. No, you're right. <laughs> Please don't. But yeah. I've loved when him comes- since he was cotton weary. No, no, I like you're right. I'm not disagreeing with you. I yep. He's Liev Schreiber. It's beautiful. He is beautiful man. When it comes to adaptations though of Hamlet, there's so many. Yeah, and well, there's like there's so many. And there's so many spin-offs. Rosencrantz like, and Guildenstern are dead. And Hamlet that's the, actually that's uh, the biggest thing I wanted rotten. to talk about with adaptations was the greatest adaptation of any Shakespeare play exists, and it's about this play. As Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, Tom Stopper did. What an, about I Hate Hamlet? I Hate Hamlet's pretty Nowhere good. near as good. I Hate Hamlet's fun. I Hate it's Hamlet's good, pretty but good. But it's not. It's not. Well, Rosencrantz does. And Guildenstern. Does. Does complete works count? Does I complete works Hamlet. abridged count? Complete, because that. Okay, so complete, no. complete works. I have feelings about it. Yeah, well, so do I. I've been in I it. I love it. It is a lot. Um, complete <laughs> but works, I, but I think I hate Hamlet is something I can watch over and over again. Whereas Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is something you watch. You <sighs> wait a couple of years. You talk about it. You joke about the see. I can't. Uh, I can't court scene, wa- like, and then you watch it again. Maybe I'll never watch I not, hate Hamlet again. I've seen it. I've been in it. it. I'll never watch it again. It doesn't hold any return value for me. Whereas Rosencrantz and- just writes a. He writes a bunch of talking head pieces, and I enjoy it. But that's the best thing about RNG are dead, is that it is built that way. Because the coin-flipping scene is amazing. And the film adaptation probably flavors it a lot for me. I also don't like Neil Simon. I I don't like a lot of these talking head writers. But they're not, it's not my favorite thing. The film film adaptation probably does it a lot for me with RNG are dead, and maybe that's why I'm biased towards it um, because the film oh, adaptation is amazing and it has Gary Oldman and Tim Roth and Richard Dreyfus, and it is spectacular. Gary Oldman and Tim Roth play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Richard Dreyfus plays the player King. Like it is really, really good. And I is. Hamlet is yeah, it's I A Hamlet. No, it's, I like it when the ghost of Laurence Olivier comes into. And like I said, I've been in. Ew. I've been Ew. in. Ew. I hate Hamlet, and I get the appeal. It just for me, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is. I think the point. It's of the piece de resistance. There's a lot. Oh, there's. But we've we've forgotten the most important one. Oh my God! What did we forget? Well. The Lion King, Beth. No, that's no. not like an adaptation of Hamlet. <laughs> so, Cassie right now is wearing a shirt that says professional drunken Shakespeare theologian. Uh, and the reason is because one night I went to go see a, a production of Hamlet, went out with the director slash ghost slash Claudius, got myself, oh, just ghost. I think Pat was Claudius. Got myself super drunk, which was fun. Uh, and then he's like, well, you know, he was young, much younger than me. I should also point that out. So 
It was probably Who a revelation to him. That uh, Lion King is an adaptation of Hamlet. And I'm just like, no, it fucking isn't. I am a professional drunken theologian, Shakespeare theologian. And that has nothing to do with Hamlet. At best, at best, it's like somebody breathed a whiff of maybe Hamlet on it in the way that every person is made up by these things. But God damn it, that movie has nothing to do with it's, it. it. It's, it's <laughs> Lion King is Hamlet, like, Ten Things I Hate About You is Twelfth Night. No. Like, you can, uh, you can... Well, you ten, can, ten Things I Hate About You is more Taming of the Shrew than Lion it, King is Taming Hamlet. of the Shrew, yeah. And actually... Lion King plays on the same tropes yeah. is ten, what it Ten does. Things is actually a much better Taming than Taming. That's that's accurate. We talked about that last time. But um, in no way does Sarabi end up with Scar. She would have killed him. There are no hyenas. No, they can't show her ending up with Scar because it's a kid's movie. The... I'm sorry. There's a whole extra like subset of Lion King movies that your children have yet to grow up old enough to subject you to, but they will, and they're terrible. So the Lion Guard's okay sometimes, but <laughs> Scar has children. I've never seen that was a rabbit. So, so this is uh, so is this an argument that the uh, Lion King extended universe is part of the Shakespeare extended universe? It's not. No, it's well, not. Oh Lion King God. Two is Romeo and Juliet. No. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, in it's terrible. the in the devising class I've never that my seen students any of the extended Lion King universe aside <laughs> from the Lion Guard. Um, well, I don't know why we're still talking about. Well, this. it's because Lion King one and a half is actually Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Well, that That's one true. that may be true, but and and Lion King mm-hmm. does loosely follow Hamlet. Loosely, I mean, they have a blowhard. Uh, what Zazu uh, advisor to yeah. the king? Yeah. yeah, that's true. And uh, Simba's S- dad dies. That Scar is Claudius. Literally every Disney movie. Well, yeah, you can't be a Disney hero without with parents. All right. If but the, Timon uh, and Pumbaa the... are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, why are they not dead at the end? And why do they never try to kill Hamlet? They're not because that would be a much different movie. They're, they're, um, but they're not a much no, no, I would love to see a meerkat attack a lion. They did try to kill him. They fed him bugs. They tried to when feed a, a lion bugs, and they thought it was like that's yeah. not a good idea. That's poison. That's ear poison. I would. I would love to see a meerkat attack a lion. It was an earworm, not ear poison. It's different. Um, in the devising class play that my seniors wrote and never got to perform. Um, one of the possible plot paths they were discussing which movie to go see. And, um, of course, we couldn't do actual movies. We had to make up our own crazy, ridiculous movies. And one of the ones that they came up with was Lion King Six and a Half Aliens Attack. I'd watch that. And the uh, right the description as they were, too. like, bouncing back and forth. Is that the one that's this? No. And the it became, is that the one that's based on Henry the Sixth Part Three? And that was the joke. That is two noble kinsmen. And I did it for you, Beth. That's a good joke. I did it for you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a good joke. Thank you. It's a solid bit. Solid bit, kids. So I'm glad that we... I I specifically brought up Lion King to just stir the shit. Um, (laughs) It's a good shit to stir. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Because at first I was really upset when somebody told me that. I'm like, man, how have I never put that together? 
And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, I'm like, it's because it's not. <laughs> like, I can admit to being wrong. I do it all the time. I'm wrong a lot. I've but, never heard like, Beth it admit just, to being wrong. Just listen to the podcast. I admit it all the time. Twice today, I'm sure. I, I mean, I said David Stewart earlier. <laughs> but no, I agree. There are enough similarities that if you are looking at it from a vague lens, it has well, it has thematic similarities. If yeah, it, so does Cinderella. Yeah. So under a, under a vague lens, it looks enough alike that yes. If you want to make the but argument, you can make the argument. It might not be a good argument. In reality. I'm just saying that Cinderella has the exact same tropes that Lion King has in common with Hamlet. So I'm saying. In reality, I agree with Beth. It is not the Lion King. Sons of Anarchy is much closer. Sure. To uh, they light a guy on fire. They do. They kill <laughs> people in all sorts of interesting ways. Um, Sons of Anarchy. Is a lot closer of an adaptation to Hamlet oh. as a motorcycle gang. Um, Do we have any pins left? No, no. And that has Ron Perlman in it, who played, you know, Beast in the Beauty and the Beast TV show. I have an interesting fact to kind of wrap this up. It's Are we cool. ready to wrap Go it up? It. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's like twelve forty-two. It is twelve forty-two. Uh, so I wow, the second episode is normally longer than the first, but this is not going to be the case with this one. I didn't want a two-hour... Because uh, Ryan's been talking about how uh, Tenet's Hamlet should actually be Stewart's Hamlet because Stewart's more famous, I went on a look here to see if Patrick Stewart had ever played Hamlet. Patrick Stewart has not professionally played Hamlet. I thought so. Don't fact-check me. Patrick, (laughs) but, but but here's the interesting fact that brings it all around. Patrick Stewart made his debut for the Royal Shakespeare Theater in 1965 in Hamlet where he played the Ooh. player king. Nice. Is that one called yeah. Stuart's Hamlet? Which one should we call it? Well, no, he was the player king. You never mm-hmm. name it after the player and king. And that was in 1965. <laughs> so um, there you that's go. a while ago. The first thing that I ever saw Patrick Stewart in was Excalibur. It's also the first thing I ever saw Liam Neeson in. Well, Patrick Stewart is a very good Claudius. It's a good. That's a good. Story. That was just a fun tidbit. You know, I'm just throwing things out there. Um, it's always fun to Patrick hear. Stewart it's always knows, fun to hear will, things get recorded that I know we'll never hear again. I I do <laughs> I do continue I do I do continue to follow um, because during quarantine, Patrick Stewart has continued to do this. Today, he did the 100th sonnet. Um, he continues to tweet the sonnets. Um, he's done with Jonathan Frakes. I think he did one with Ian McKellen. Um, but every day Patrick Stewart is doing, um, I don't know if he's done them every day, but he's done a hundred of them, a hundred sonnets as of today. Um, so if you enjoy Sir Patrick Stewart and you enjoy Shakespeare's sonnets. And And he has done them under varying degrees of sobriety. Yes, some of them he has been It's a uh, Shakespeare levels of inebriated for. This is an uh, Yeah, I only had three This is an uh, audio medium there, Ryan. Miming drinking isn't going to cut it. Yeah, I know. I have <laughs> six He's got a face for radio, Ryan. It's okay. I do. Um this is <laughs> beer number 
Well, six since we sat down to record. That's good. Well, we should probably go ahead and zero in on the end here. Yep, I will just really quickly throw out um, Maya Gosling, who does the good tickle brain stick figure Shakespeare, is in the middle of doing long form Hamlet right now. So she's doing scene by scene stick figure representations, being snarky. I think my favorite joke for Hamlet is that Every time one of her characters soliloquizes, I don't know if that's a word. It is. It is. Soliloquizes is the word. Um, uh, they ask for special mood lighting, and she does a special filter on the the box for the comic. And Gertrude t- tries to do it at one point, and like the stage manager of the comic comes out and goes, "You you can't do that. Four lines doesn't count as yeah, because Gertrude doesn't have it. <laughs> that's good. That's pretty good. Hey, and that's where we'll leave you today. Hey Ryan, what's that moose up front say? Ah, uh, hey, podcast is closed. You sound fresh, I told you. This has been shit. that way out of order. What was I don't that? Know. But Beth asked me what the moose <laughs> said, and so I told her. Yeah. Um, so this has been Shakespeare episode 73. Holy shit. We have two plays left. One of them is a very confusing shared authorship, confused authorship, whatever situation. One of them is. The Cursed Scottish Play, um, before we uh, branch out in our format. So this has been Hamlet Part 2, Episode 73 of Shakespeare. I'm Ryan Halfill. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenlee. I'm, I'm Ryan Chase Greenlee. It was great to be here, guys. Thanks very much. Oh, man. Thanks for coming and playing. Fucking thanks for thanks, coming. Man. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being our special guest. Yeah, I'm happy. Uh, we, I hope you it, go to it, bed it, feeling like a little drunk, but a little yeah, smart. I'm going uh, to happy to slip in at the end here, up? and I got to be up in the six and a half hours here. And by, okay. by, by right. which I mean, I'm sure so, my daughter's about to wake me up here in a half hour. So For some yeah. unknown reason, yeah. like being, you know, six months old or whatever. Yeah. How old is she? Seven months. So pretty close there. Seven months. I was close. close there. Yeah, she's close. Yeah, she's teething. Oh, that's the worst. Yep. Like the only thing worse than teething is colic. Stops. It never stops. All right. Colic is the only thing that's worse than teething, and they're both terrible. Is the podcast over? You ready? Oh, yes, yeah. No, yeah. We are sure. Moose out front should have told oh, yeah, you. Yeah, moose out front should have fucking told you that. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.